Good morning, Orlando. Great to have you with us right off the top here at 6 o'clock on a Tuesday for our first check on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning the White House dismisses a North Korean war claim, and temporary roof repairs are available for Florida homeowners. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And how messed up is the GOP? Our first topic today on Good Morning Orlando. Good Tuesday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 1025. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders is rejecting the claims by North Korea's foreign minister the president has declared war. In a briefing Monday, Sanders called it absurd. The North Korean official cited Trump's harsh rhetoric about the North and said the whole world should be clear about the president's intentions. He insisted that the North has a right to defend itself, including shooting down U.S. bombers that may venture into North Korean airspace. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Violent crime is up in the U.S. for the second year in a row. New figures from the FBI show that violent crime rose just over 4% in 2016. There was a nearly 4% hike in 2015. Murders increased 8.6% last year. It's the first time that a two-year increase has been logged in more than 10 years. The city of Chicago alone accounts for more than a fifth of the nationwide murder increases last year. The Trump administration has warned about a dangerous rise in violent crime, often fueled by violent gangs. In the Sunshine State, Florida homeowners with roof damage from Hurricane Irma can sign up for temporary repairs starting today. The program is called Operation Blue Roof and is open to residents in 29 counties. At no charge, licensed contractors will cover roofs with tarps until permanent repairs can be made. It applies to roofs with 50% structural damage or less. Homeowners can sign up by visiting locations listed on the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers website or by calling 1-888-ROOF-BLU. The painful wait, meanwhile, for contact from loved ones shows no signs of ending for those with family in Puerto Rico. Many who just want to check on their friends and family are waiting for passenger flights from Orlando to the island to resume, but there's no word when that might happen. Many airlines are only running humanitarian flights. There is a slim chance Spirit Airlines could run a passenger flight today, but ticket agents tell Eyewitness News it could be another week at least before flights from Orlando resume. And, Deb, we have co-workers here who are living this agony of being unable to communicate with loved ones on the island of Puerto Rico, ravaged by Maria. And uh, we're going to talk with one of them who got some welcome news after so many days. That'll be coming up here in our 7 o'clock hour. Don't miss it. And we could certainly use some good news. Speaking of uh, other hurricane notes, the mystery over the missing Orlando sign on I-4 going eastbound into downtown Orlando is solved. It turns out the sign was not moved because of ongoing construction projects, and it also wasn't stolen. Instead, city officials say the sign blew away during Irma. Ah. It's not clear when it will be reinstalled. Another big local story, an alert security guard is credited with saving a little child from what could have been a life-threatening situation. The guard at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa noticed a two-year-old girl alone in a hot car yesterday afternoon. The girl was taken to the hospital and is thankfully in stable condition. Her caregiver was arrested for child neglect. Boy, a life saved there for sure, I think. You know, it was a hot day yesterday. Very. How heroic is that? Yeah, absolutely. And it was in the employee parking lot, so it wasn't in the guest parking lot. It was in an employee area, and the guard thankfully happened to see that little two-year-old stuck in the car. Close call. God bless him. Yeah. Wow. And finally, the uh, Marine Corps' first female infantry officer is ready for duty. 
The woman who was asked to keep her identity private graduated yesterday after finishing the 13-week training course last week. The milestone comes two years after then-Defense Secretary Ash Carter lifted the military's last few restrictions for women as part of an Obama administration effort to make the armed forces fully inclusive. The infantry officer course is widely seen as one of the toughest training courses in the military, with as many as 25% of Marines dropping out. Yeah, that is tough. You missed your chance, Debbie. You would have been one heck of a drill sergeant, I guarantee you that. (laughs) (laughs) I would have loved to have served in the military. Oh, man. That's right up my alley. I'll bet. WFLA News Time at 6.06. And you can read about a restaurant owner who will not show NFL games until the anthem protests stop at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. And we're going to be getting into the NFL thing, Trump, the protests, and all of that in our 7 o'clock hour. Lots of hot topics here. And of course, Deborah Roberts back at the top and the bottom of the hour all morning long and whenever news breaks. Yaffe in the control room running the show. It's Good Morning Orlando. Glad you're with us on a Tuesday for the Front Gate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. But first up, how messed up is the GOP? Exhibit A has got to be that Alabama Senate special election today. Exhibit B is health care reform bill number three going down, it appears to me, in smoke and flames. Stay tuned. It's coming up, and we'll see what you think. We'll get to that in Orlando's News, Weather, and Traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLX. It's the most bizarre special election run-up I have ever seen in this country. It's what's going on in Alabama today, where they're going to the polls to um, decide the Republican candidate for the December election that will decide who ultimately succeeds Jeff Sessions as the senator from Alabama. The opening occurring when President Trump brought Sessions on as his attorney general. Now, in heavily Republican Alabama, there is virtually no risk of the GOP losing the seat. So why is the Republican Party twisted in knots about the way this may go? Let me explain before we get to the third health care bill fiasco under the heading of what a mess the GOP seems to be in as we speak. I'm not saying they won't straighten it out, but right now things don't look good on a couple of fronts, do they? We have this special election today on the Republican side for the right to run against the Democrat Doug Jones in December um, and decide who gets the session seat. Believe me, I mean, it would be it would take a cataclysmic event for a Republican not to win this thing. Now, here's the deal. The latest polls show that the McConnell candidate, Mitch McConnell and his pack have thrown $10 million or more into the campaign on behalf of Luther Strange, kind of a namby-pamby, white-bread, flatlining speaker that McConnell likes and is kind of a a McConnell rhino Republican, okay? And he's got no charisma at all. He's also down close to 10 points in the polls to insurgent conservative candidate, the former 
head of the um, Alabama State Supreme Court, Roy Moore, the old judge, right, at age 70, is up by 10 points. Moore aligns with President Trump on all kinds of things, from Second Amendment rights to God and country. And yet, almost inexplicably, Trump was down there last Friday endorsing Strange. It must be some kind of a deal with McConnell and the rhinos in the Congress. And listen, Mr. President, you can't get anything done. You want to get something done, go down there and endorse Luther Strange, drag his carcass over the finish line, and good things will happen. There has to have been a wink and a nod, but I don't know that for sure. Because Trump's down there in the middle of it. He's even saying, you know what? Maybe I made a mistake. Remember that? We played the cut, you know? But if Roy Moore wins the thing, I'll be down here campaigning like heck for him, okay? This is crazy. Yesterday, you had Vice President Pence down here campaigning for Luther Strange. Yesterday, you had Steve Bannon, you know, shown the door in the Trump White House down there campaigning for Roy Moore. Moore's the candidate Trump ought to be backing, but it's not happening. Why are the Republicans twisted in knots? They're going to keep the seat. It's because if Roy Moore wins, and I predict he will win it, and he will win it convincingly, that it will open the door to all kinds of rhino Republicans being primaried. And that's what they are concerned about, Yaffe. That's what they're worried about all across the country. Yeah, you know, that's actually a really good point I didn't think of, but I think you're exactly right, especially because the GOP can't get anything done in Congress. So they're going to take it out. They're not going to vote. A lot of these people aren't going to vote Democrats because they're still crazy as ever. But they're not liking what the GOP is doing now. So they might solve the problem by primarying them all. Yeah. And then there's the other fiasco for the Republican Party right now. You know, block granting the Obamacare money to the states, the latest incarnation of trying to repeal and replace Obamacare before a September 30th deadline coming right up, after which they won't be able to use reconciliation to get it done in 51 votes. It'll go to 60, okay, in the Senate. That's what's going on here. That's why the Graham-Cassidy bill has been rushed to the fore and is being briefly debated, and they're supposedly going to vote on it tomorrow. I don't know if McConnell will ever bring it out because I don't see up. I don't, I don't see how this thing gets it gets passed. I mean, Collins is against it, Paul's against it, McCain's against it, and now Cruz is against it without changes. They've already made some sweeteners for various states to try to bribe uh, lawmakers. Yaffe, I don't think this thing is going to make it. And the Republican Party yeah, is going to have to face the voters in 2018. The Democrats, they can already write the political ads, are going to beat them up, saying, you, you gave them power. They made one big promise to all of you there who backed them, and they didn't keep it over eight solid years to repeal and replace Obamacare. It's going to really hurt the Republicans in the 18 elections. Yeah, I agree with that. Unfortunately, that is true. Although I'm not one of these guys, because I started thinking about this a lot, I'm not one of these guys who necessarily blames the GOP as a whole for the Obamacare mess. Because when you look at the votes for all the Obamacare replacements, the vast majority of Republicans voted for them in the House and Senate. It's usually just been a couple, two or three, that have made the difference. But that's because the Democrats still own half the Senate. And that's because our country is so divided that um, they're voting in Democrats. And a lot of people in this country, unfortunately, don't want to get rid of that entitlement. But I agree with that. That's a huge deal, okay? Um, Now, having said that, They ran unconditionally across this country 
candidate after candidate saying, well, give including us the McCain, yeah. They didn't say numbers. They didn't say we need 65 seats in the Senate. True. Okay. Give us the Senate. Give us the House. Give us the White House. We will repeal and replace Obamacare. We the people did it. It's not happening. The Democrats are going to kill him on this. Yep. And most voters are not astute like you are. Oh, I agree. Perception is everything. And the and Republican leadership has been awful in this in this whole thing, too. I they think. will kill him. McConnell's got an 18% approval rate in his home state of Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, I don't see how that's going to happen. Now, am I overstating the case that this is kind of a mess the Republican Party's in on a couple of fronts? All of the dynamics of the Alabama special Senate election and health care bill fiasco number three unfolding before our eyes. How do you see it? 407-916-5400. Can we talk? Toll free is open. Main lines, 407-916-5400. Oh, and our text line, 23680. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Let's go to the phones. My monologue about the uh, GOP and what a mess it seems to be in, in a couple of fronts. One of them has to do with this latest health care bill that's going down in flames. Senators Collins, Paul, McCain, and Cruz now opposed to the bill. And if they get three no votes, it is game, set, match. And they've already got at least four. I don't think this is going to fly to you. Martin, you're in Tampa. Good morning from the Bay Area. You're on with a bud man. Welcome aboard, Martin. Good morning, bud. Hi there. Uh, drop a tractor trailer, and I get to enjoy your show every morning. I uh, love that, man. Terrific. You. Thank uh, you. I appreciate you. I have a, a question for you. Um, Senator McCain, uh, he was a no vote on the other one, which there was an audible gasp in the chamber when he did that. I know. But I think it, he let someone in the uh, hallway know, but just watch the show or some comment like that. He intended to do that. Now, on this one, he's done it again. And what bothers me is the governor of the state backs it. They polled the uh, constituency, and they back it by nearly 70%. Can't they recall McCain and get him out of there? I mean, understanding his poor health, understanding he's a war hero. I'm a former Marine. I understand all that. But the, the guy twice is in the way. Yeah, listen, listen, recalls are complex. They take a long time, and they are rare. Uh, To be very honest with you, and I don't mean to be morbid about it, I I really doubt whether whether John McCain would be around for the end of that process. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen with Paul Collins or, or, or Cruz either because they've all been elected, and in their states they're all reasonably popular, Martin. I mean, there's a visceral reaction you're having that I'm having as well, but I think we're stuck with them. Yeah. Okay, good morning, bud, and appreciate you, and continue to good work. Safe travels down the road. Oh, great to have you with us. I love our truckers. Now, let's go to Bill in Merritt Island. Good morning from the east coast of Florida. How are you, Bill? We are fine, and yourself? Doing very well, but it's early. The audience yes, can is. turn on me Long. at any time. <laughs> uh, my comment on this is Trump insists on a vote, an up or down vote. If it goes down, those Republicans and all those Democrats who vote against it, get primaried, and Mm -hmm. if it goes down, Trump rescinds Obama's executive order that exempted Congress from Obamacare, and every single one of them and their staffers 
are suddenly under Obamacare. They you know like that, it so much, they yeah, get it. I like it. That's pretty good hardball. I don't know that McConnell will bring it up for a vote, and he and he and Trump aren't close. I'm not sure uh, that he will do it. Yaffe, do you think if the votes are not there that McConnell will bring it up to put them all on record like Bill wants? Uh, no. History shows that he will not do it. I think, didn't they cancel a vote on one of the older Obamacare yeah, bills? Yeah, they did, yeah. So, well, I mean, that's yeah. why he's got an 18% approval rating. In exactly right. He's a, he's a weasel. He is a weasel. You're absolutely <laughs> right, man. He's a weasel. All right. Listen, we're going to stay on the clock here. We got a lot to do. I got to get into the politics of this tragedy in South Florida where 11 nursing home residents are dead. Um, there are some Democrats out there who are bound and determined, I think, to pin this thing on Rick Scott. And I don't know how it's all going to play out, but I'll tell you what the politics of it all are in the next half hour. All right, thanks, Heather. Right now, let's turn it over to Deborah Roberts. And the war drums are being beaten harder than ever now by North Korea. What's the story there, Deb? Well, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders is rejecting a claim by North Korea's foreign minister, Bud, that President Trump has declared war on the North. Not at all. We've not declared war on North Korea, uh, and frankly, the suggestion of that is absurd. The North Korean official, however, insisted that the North has a right to defend itself, including shooting down U.S. bombers that may venture into North Korean airspace. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Florida nursing home operators say there's no way they can meet the governor's demand that they install emergency generators in just two months. They claim it'll take at least eight to nine months. But in Marathon yesterday, Rick Scott said his decision stands. I expect everybody to to provide have backup power uh, in the fuel. You know, there'll be fines of $1,000 a day and the risk of losing your license. The governor's order followed the deaths of 11 people after, after a power failure at a nursing home in Broward County. Meanwhile, Governor Rick Scott's office says voicemails from the people in charge of that South Florida nursing home where 11 residents suffered heat-related deaths have been deleted. Administrators at the Rehabilitation Center at Hollywood Hills say they sent messages to Scott's cell phone indicating they needed immediate assistance. But the governor's office said the voicemails were not urgent in nature and the messages were forwarded to, quote, the appropriate state agencies. CBS Miami reports the first message from the Rehabilitation Center arrived in Scott's inbox in the 36 hours before the first patient's death. And a group called the First Amendment Foundation says Scott might have violated Florida's public records law by deleting those voicemails. Yeah, more on that in a moment here, Deb. Yeah, and as expected, the family of one of the 11 dead at the South Florida Nursing Home is filing a lawsuit against the center they say failed to properly care for them during and after Hurricane Irma. Attorney Curtis Minor is representing the Franco family. 93-year-old Miguel Antonio Franco died as a result of the conditions at the Rehabilitation Center of Hollywood Hills, while his wife... 90-year-old Cecilia continues to be hospitalized in serious condition. Miner says that they are liable for that death and more. It is absolutely stunning to us that the Rehabilitation Center of Hollywood Hills could be so ill-prepared for what was inevitably going to happen with Hurricane Irma. And it is absolutely stunning to us that they did not take emergency action when this tragedy began to unfold. The lawsuit accuses the facility of wrongful death and negligence, a story you're going to have more coming up right after the news. You can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. And let's bring in Gina. Then we'll get into the politics of the nursing home disaster in South Florida that Deb was talking about a moment ago. Gina, welcome in from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City, and good Tuesday morning to you. 
Good Tuesday morning to you. Well, you're the expert. I'm not. But it looks to me like on a number of fronts, investors are kind of playing a, a waiting game. Things kind of flat on Wall Street, right? Yeah, it kind of looks that way this morning. We have the stock futures little changed to, to higher after yesterday. A bit of a lower close, although the gains, uh, the losses, I should say, weren't all too bad. Tech weighed on the market, so that was a problem for the NASDAQ. It fell 56 points to 63.71. That was the worst of it. The S&P was down about six points, or two-tenths percent, closing at 24.97, and the Dow was down about 54 points to 22,296. We had energy-related shares rising with oil this morning. We have oil down here just a little bit, hovering right around $52 a barrel. And the Bloomberg Orlando index yesterday was down about a tenth of a percent. What do you pay for a gallon of gas um, as you traverse New Jersey to your workplace in New York City now? Well, this morning I actually noticed, I think it was 263 and that's paying with cash. As I think I've mentioned before, if you pay with a credit card, they charge you 10 cents more per gallon. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I saw 252 this morning, which is uh, uh, down about 17 cents from just a couple of weeks ago. So we are seeing a good trend at the pump anyway. Yeah, we're going and, the right way. Yeah, we are, at least for now. So uh, investors are kind of uh, having a wait-and-see approach on a number of fronts. What can you tell us that they're waiting for today, uh, Gina? Well, namely, we have Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen talking about inflation and monetary policy at a business conference in Cleveland, Ohio. There are some other Fed speakers there as well, but of course she will get the most attention, most likely. We also have some economic reports ahead today, those on home prices, new home sales, and consumer confidence. And investors are assessing a host of other things from North Korean war threats to the aftermath of the German election. And we have some earnings ahead today. We'll hear from Darden Restaurants, based locally, uh, owns Olive Garden, of course. Right. And we, we have Carnival, Nike, ConAgra, and other companies to watch let's, for. Let's talk about Nike. They used to be Investor Gold, but uh, times have kind of changed. A lot of competition in their field. That's right. Nike, which is a Dow component, reports after the closing bell today. And the stock is getting left in the dust as its biggest rival gathers some speed here. But the U.S. sportswear maker shares have risen only about a sixth as much as Adidas this year, with analysts downgrading the stock in recent weeks on concern. It's losing customers to Adidas. Barron's has predicted stock declines of 10 percent or more in the next year as competition with Adidas heats up. So Nike will be getting a lot of attention later today when it reports its earnings. I guess so, and we'll be watching closely for what Bloomberg reports on that. The airlines have found a new moneymaker. Tell us about it, Gina. <laughs> well, a study commissioned by the satellite communications provider in Marsat shows that each airline passenger, each of us, will be worth about $4 more per flight to the airlines once they're able to offer uninterrupted broadband services. Now, if only they would only charge us $4, right, to log on to their Wi-Fi. The in-flight connectivity should generate $30 billion, though, for airlines by 2035. The CEO of Inmarsat says that while just 53 carriers worldwide currently offer in-flight Internet, the access has already become an expectation rather than a luxury. Did you say long-term $30 billion? $30 billion wow. should generate for the airlines by the year 2035. And 
it is true that you're you're kind of expecting now to have access to Wi-Fi just about everywhere you go these right. days, even in the sky. Yeah, people demanding to stay connected even at 35,000 feet. Before you go, Disney Stories always got our attention down here. We got more than 70,000 people working for the mouse down the road. And um, Disney is going to be opening some prototype stores. What's this about? Disney is opening some of these stores in malls. As you know, malls have struggled, and these particular stores are designed to win back shoppers with interactive birthday greetings and events streamed live from the theme parks. Since July, Disney has unveiled as many as six planned stores with a new look, which includes a giant video screen in the front, lower foot traffic at malls. And a flight to online shopping, of course, has hurt Disney just like it's hurt a lot of other retailers. We'll see whether they've made the right call as time goes by. Thank you so much. Gina Cervetti, as always, from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City, right here at 635 every day on Good Morning Orlando. Thank you. Catch you tomorrow, Gina. Thank you. Good deal. All right, in a moment, the politics of Florida's nursing home disaster. My take and yours straight ahead. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We are glad you're with us. We'll dive right in on that new topic right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you. And that's coming down the pike in just two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. It's very clear Governor Rick Scott has further political ambitions. I'd be shocked if he didn't wind up running against incumbent U.S. Senator Bill Nelson. In 2018, okay? Can't run for governor again. And I think that Irma and the way he handled it in the run-up and particularly the way he will handle it during the long recovery from the storm that ravaged almost every part of Florida may well be the determining factor on whether Governor Scott becomes Senator Scott or not. These stories have enormous impact on politicians at the top of the food chain, governors at the state level, presidents at the national level. There is no question about it. I think everybody was impressed with Governor Scott being all over the place in the run-up to Irma, sounding the alarm. I mean, it was unbelievable how much of the state he covered in several days there. And he seems like he's been on the job, getting aid where it needs to be, interfacing with county and city governments, etc. It all looks like a real plus for Rick Scott, but this is going to be a long process. The Democrats are very, very concerned that he's going to take out Democrat Nelson in 2018, and I, I think he will. I hope he will. I think both of them are going to be painful to watch as campaigners. My goodness, I'd rather watch slow-drying paint dry than to watch these two guys in a debate But at any rate, having said that, I would favor Rick Scott. And I think that Irma could be the determining factor. You never know what's to come. But what's on the table now? I would say yes. It's going to, it's going to, he's either going to sink or swim on this. And right now it's swim. But the Democrats are trying to hang something on him here. And I don't know where the truth lies. um, But I do know this that Senator Gary Farmer, who's a Democrat down in Fort Lauderdale, represents the um, district, including. The nursing home where 11 people died. Remember that? The rehabilitation center at Hollywood Hills. Um, he is um, he's all over investigating these voicemails that apparently were left from staff in the nursing home on the, on the phones of Scott's staff members saying, we got problems down here, we need help. 
Now, Governor Scott reportedly gave his personal cell phone number to nursing homes and assisted living facilities as the storm approaches. There were four messages supposedly left on the voicemail of his staff. He doesn't pick them up personally. He's got too much to do. There's hundreds of these facilities around the state, as we know. And ultimately, they apparently were not kept. And the Democrat is, is saying, well, there's something sinister here. There's a cover-up. You know, there was an urgent cry for help, and they didn't respond, and there's blood on the governor's hands, and he can't be a senator. That's exactly where the Democrats want to go with this gang, okay? But let me tell you why this may not fly here in just a moment. And you tell me how you think this is all going to play out for Governor Rick Scott when he, as expected, runs for the United States Senate against Bill Nelson. The way things look today, Irma's going to be a big help to getting Scott elected to the United States Senate. But the long recovery will be the proof in the pudding as to whether or not that is so. How do you see it for Scott? 407-916-5400. Do you understand the politics of a big event like the nursing home tragedy? It's a huge factor in elections like this. Gabriel, I'm coming to you in a moment. I want to hear what you have to say. On the politics of the nursing home disaster in South Florida, 11 people died. Um, There didn't seem to be any very serious, urgent outreach in any direction. No attempt to dial 911 when people were keeling over. No AC, no lights. The frail elderly are so vulnerable to those conditions, as we know. And they've got a fully functioning hospital with the AC and the lights working 50 yards away, and they never interface with them at all. There is no indication that they did. As for the Democrats trying to trump up this against Scott for political reasons, as I explained, that what happened to those four voicemails left on staff of the governor from the nursing home in South Florida, the rehabilitation center in Hollywood Hills where all the people died. And they said, well, we didn't keep them. And the Democrat, the South Florida lawmaker in that district, is saying they're trying to make something sinister out of that. I don't know whether there's anything to be made or not. Time will tell. Investigations have ensued. But a spokeswoman for the governor points out that according to state rules on handling of public records, when you have this kind of transitory information, you know, like a huge volume of voicemails, you can't keep them all. So when you, when you, when you relay the message to somebody else to take care of the problem, you can delete them, and there is nothing sinister and nothing against the law about it. And they say that's exactly what they did. They got the information. They got it to the right agency, and all of those calls were returned to the nursing home in South Florida. So we'll see how this plays. But this is a very important story in the greater story of how the governor handles not only the run-up to Irma, which he did great, and the short-term aftermath, but the long-term aftermath as well. There will be enormous political consequences, in my view. Gabriel, good morning. You're on with the Bud Man from Castleberry. Good morning, Bud, and thank you for you and Mike and the rest of the staff for everything you guys do every morning. Thank you, sir, my very comment much. Is pretty short, and it's this. Uh, investigations have to take place, so I never render my opinion until all the information is in hand. We don't have that yet, but I do, I do know this. The left will always pounce on any opportunity uh, to make it politically expedient and showing where the right is wrong, even though the information is not there. So it's going to play out, but I know that they're going to jump all over this, knowing that the Senate seat is so important. Thank you, bud. Thank you, Gabriel, and I think you're absolutely right. But I think the bottom line is I see it today, and 
Who knows? As Gabriel says, we don't know everything, all right? That's why we have investigations. But, you know, I, nobody has denied at the nursing home the failure to reach out to the fully functioning hospital 50 yards away. No 911 calls, you know? They went on this for days. I think that's indefensible. I think that's finally going to be what makes this not a problem for Scott and an enormous problem for that facility, and I predict it may well not survive. And if, if the worst is true, nor should it. Coming up, Deborah Roberts at the top of the hour before we get into this whole NFL versus Trump story and all of the protests from a number of angles. The White House dismissing a North Korean war claim and the Trump NFL rift widens. Devil set the table as she does so beautifully for our talk topics here in the 50,000-watt front porch. Good morning, Orlando. Rolls into hour number two from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Good morning from us all at 6.59 now. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a Tuesday at 7 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, the White House dismisses a North Korean war claim and the Trump NFL rift widens. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Question to you. As an NFL fan, what would you tell the commissioner you either want or don't want going forward? Next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Tuesday morning at 7.03 on News Radio 1025. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders says the U.S. still wants a peaceful solution to the rapidly escalating North Korean nuclear crisis. Our goal is still the same. We continue to seek the peaceful denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. That's our focus, doing that through both the most maximum economic and diplomatic pressures as possible at this point. The North Korean official cited President Trump's harsh rhetoric about the North and said the whole world should be clear about the president's intentions. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Meanwhile, Sanders is backing up President Trump's ongoing criticism of NFL players who kneel during the national anthem. In a briefing yesterday, Sanders said the president is defending the anthem, the American flag, and those who fought for the country. She brushed off suggestions that the president should have more important things to worry about. Sanders said Trump is taking a strong stand in favor of displaying respect for symbols of American democracy. Steelers offensive lineman Alejandro Villanueva is reflecting back to Sunday when he stood by himself for the national anthem at Soldier Field away from his teammates. Villanueva, who's a former Army Ranger, said it was a mistake for him to end up in that position. That, that is the very embarrassing part uh, on my end and, and what transpires because when everybody sees an image of me standing by myself, everybody thinks that the, the, the team and the Steelers are not behind me, and that's absolutely wrong. Uh, it's quite the opposite. Pittsburgh's plan was to take in the anthem from the tunnel before the game after President Trump's comments attacking players who protest. Villanueva had talked to a small number of Steelers players to let him know he wanted to be in a position to take in the festivities but still be with his teammates. Once the performance had started, Villanueva's only choice was to move during the national anthem or stay still. He went with the latter. The Pittsburgh Steelers protest during that national anthem is not going over well with some fans, though. Numerous videos have been posted to social media that show fans burning Steelers gear from black and gold T-shirts to terrible towels. Fans are apparently upset that team chose to stay inside the locker room at Chicago Soldier Field Sunday rather than stand for the national anthem. 
One fan posted, quote, I hope your sport goes up in flames like my shirt did, end quote. And New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady considers, uh, considers President Trump a friend, but he takes issue with the president's comments about NFL players who kneel during the national anthem. Brady said Monday that Trump's comments at a political rally in Alabama on Friday night were divisive. Trump criticized the NFL for allowing players to kneel during the Star-Spangled Banner and called on teams to fire or suspend the players who do. Brady told a Boston radio station that he wants to support his teammates and bring people together. He believes what makes a team special is that all the players are different. WFLA News Time 706. Jerry Jones kneels with the Cowboys before the national anthem at last night's Monday Night Football game. Get the details and the pictures at 1025WFLA.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. From the Frontgate Realty Studio, we continue. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Deb, we're going to get into this from a number of angles. Trump versus the NFL. Very slick move by the Cowboys yesterday. Last night, I was watching this with the owner, Jerry Jones. All the players, before the National Anthem, came out to the middle of the field before they rolled out the flag and everything and all took a knee as a sign of unity, I think, against the attacks from the president against the league, okay, and the players protesting. Then they all went back and they did the national anthem and they had the flag out there. So it wasn't like they were taking a knee and the fans would say, well, they don't respect the flag. Ah, it was all a matter of timing. It's all timing. Timing, 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 timing. Timing, positioning, logistics. And optics. That's exactly what was going on last night. Well, I mean, you know. Didn't Jerry Jones come out before and say he didn't want his players kneeling right. for the anthem and the flag? Yeah, so. but I think he knew he'd have a mutiny on the team right. if he's kind of stuck with it. So he found a way to protest without it look like they weren't disrespecting the country and the flag. Well, that's interesting. Which is the focus, of course, of the Trump attacks. So that was really interesting. So it always comes down to timing. And optics. And optics, How does it that's look? true. Perception. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, though, in this case, whether perception is reality or not. We're going to get into that as well. And I got a question for you fellow pro football fans. I mean, have the protests weakened or broken your bond with the NFL? Rush was essentially saying that's what's happening to him. It's happened to me. It happened to me with baseball when they went on strike in the 90s. I never had the fervor for baseball again. And I think it'll never be quite the same with the NFL for a lot of their fans. People are burning their, their NFL gear all across the country. They're sick with all of this. What would you tell the NFL you want or don't want going forward? Let's talk about this. Got the latest Trump tweets and uh, his chief of staff, John Kelly, the retired four-star general. He's also tweeting. And it turns out this Steeler player who stood alone was considered a patriotic hero well, he's kind of backing off that. We're going to listen to a prolonged sound cut, a little more than Deb was able to bring you on the news and see what you think of it here in a moment. So we'll have all of that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as well. Did I just say, how did I say that? In Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Okay, pronounce all the syllables, bud, man. Sometimes I try to talk too fast. Anyway, um, the phone number, if you want to weigh in, fans, 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Because I don't think the NFL realizes they are treading on some very, very dangerous ground here 
of breaking that bond they have with fans or weakening it so it is never the same again. It winds up being all about attendance and ratings, which translates directly into revenue and the bottom line for the billionaire owners. This is important stuff to them. I don't think they quite get it yet. Do you? We'll have all of this in Orlando's News, Weather, and Traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I think a president's misfiring for whatever reason in Alabama and back on the wrong guy. Should be back at Roy Moore, and I think Roy Moore is going to be the winner. Um, I think the president's right on the money, and he thinks so too on taking on the NFL in these protests. Um, you know, he's been talking. It was at a, at a private dinner, I guess, for some big hitters in the Republican Party yesterday, and the in the in the um, uh, the media is reporting that he said, you know, boy, this thing has really caught fire, you know, and he's the, no regrets at all, apparently. Uh, here's his latest tweet, or there's actually two. So here are the tweets from the president uh, from last night on all of this. Many people booed the players who kneeled yesterday, Sunday, which was a small percentage of the total. It actually was 200 plus, about 8% of the league. A week ago, keep in mind, only six players kneeled across the league before the president threw the match in the gas in the gas tank. Um, these are fans who demand respect for our flag, tweeted the president. Continuing on, the issue of kneeling has nothing to do with race. It is about respect for our country flag and the national anthem. And the NFL must respect this. I agree with him 100% on that. What about his chief of staff, the retired four-star Marine General John Kelly? Here's what he said in a statement. I believe every American, when the national anthem is played, should cover their hearts and think about all the men and the women who have been maimed and killed. Every American should stand up and think for three lousy minutes, said the general, who otherwise, though, is apparently not happy that the president ignited this firestorm. I think he might have been well served not to. I didn't like the language he used in characterizing the protesters as SOBs. Aside from that, I think he's called out the NFL and struck a chord with the American football fans uh, all across this country. I really do. We talked about it a lot yesterday. Um, Ben Roethlisberger, who is the iconic quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, they all stayed except for one in the locker room yesterday. Big Ben came out now, and he says, I personally don't believe the anthem is ever the time to make any type of protest. I wish we had approached it differently. Then there is this from Steeler player Alejandro Villanueva. He's the former Army Ranger who served three tours of duty in Afghanistan. You heard a bit from him with Deb a moment ago. He at first was viewed as a patriotic hero for standing alone for the national anthem before Sunday's game. Now essentially he's apologizing to his coach and his team who all stayed in the locker room or the runway on the way to the field when the anthem was played. Now, Villanueva now says he was under pressure from veterans to show up and stand up for the Star-Spangled Banner. I want you to listen to this longer cut from Villanueva yesterday. See what you think's really going on here, and let's talk about it. Very few players knew that I was going to the tunnel because I only asked the team leadership. And so because of that, I didn't give them an opportunity to stand with me uh, during the national anthem. Um, that, that is the very embarrassing part uh, on my end and, and what transpires because when everybody sees an image of me standing by myself, everybody thinks that the, the, the team and the Steelers are not behind me, and that's absolutely wrong. Uh, it's quite the opposite. Is they all would have Actually, the entire team would have been out there with me. Even the ones that wanted to take a knee would have been there with me had they known these extreme circumstances that at Soldier Field 
you know, at, at, the, at, the, at the heat of the moment when I got soldiers, wounded veterans texting me that, you know, that, 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 that I have to be out there, then um, I, think, uh, I think everything would have been put aside uh, from every single one of my teammates, no doubt. I don't know, Alejandro. I have a lot of doubt that they would have been with you on this. I really do. I think he's trying to make up because he's got to play with these, the rest of the team, and I'm afraid he's, that, that, that he's going to be a source of great division, or maybe they'll bench him or do something. I feel like he really caved here. It's too bad. The guy stood up as a hero, became the hottest-selling jersey, his jersey, in the entire NFL literally overnight, and now he's pulling back here. Do you believe what he said is really the story? Or is he under enormous pressure from the coach and the rest of the Steeler team to pull back from being the the Lone Ranger, the former military guy, out there alone no matter what his teammates do, saluting the flag? I, uh, I don't know. I smell a rat there. 407-916-5400. Here's my question to you. What would you tell the NFL you want or don't want them to do on this protest front moving forward? And as a pro football fan like I am, have these protests weakened or broken your bond with the NFL? Are you less inclined to watch or to care? Same thing happened to me off the baseball strike in 94. I've never been the same fan I once was. I've never gone to as many games. I follow it, but I don't love it like I used to. I think that's where the NFL is headed on this, unless they shut this thing down, and I don't think they will or they can. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Callers, I'm coming to you. Daniel says he's done with the NFL, but it's even worse for Eric in Lakeland. Your wife says you're done with the NFL, right, Eric? (laughs) Oh, you would start off making me laugh, yeah. (laughs) Well, and you know, I was leaning towards that too, but... With all due respect to my wife, uh, what I mean is her daddy was the first casualty in, in Vietnam for the Big Red One out of Kansas. And wow. His remains are at Port Riley. Oh, my. It's very, 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 very hard for She can't hear the taps anymore. It really took her. And and uh, it's starting to get to my uh, patriotism, too, and, and it's really getting on me. So when she commented about that last night, I said to myself, you know what? I think You're right. You're right. I went to uh, bed early last night, and I turned on the game to just see what the score was. And as soon as I turned it off, I got convicted and on, and it went off. And I feel the same way. They're going to lose my business. Thank you very That's much. Compelling is. personal story on your wife's side, too, Eric. Thank you. I already feel my, my just, just this gravitational pull of the National Football League when it's on TV is not as strong for me as it was. Rush was essentially saying the same thing yesterday. He's been a rabid fan of the Steelers for 45 years. Daniel and Davenport, what about it with the NFL and you? Good morning, bud. How are you? Outstanding. How you doing, buddy? Good. I'm doing well. Thanks good, for the opportunity good. to uh, vent a little bit. Go ahead. Hey, listen, I'm a pastor. I'm a father of four kids. I love my country. And uh, I think a lot of us feel that America is suffering deeply from a lack of patriotism and the last thing we want to do is to be preached at by a bunch of overpaid athletes who really don't respect the flag our country the freedoms they enjoy and for the sake of my son my kids i'm done wow 
That's profound, and I think you have a lot of company. God bless you, Daniel. Thanks for coming on the show. On the text line, Yaffe, what are the folks saying at 23680? Well, our first caller was talking about how his uh, wife's, was it her father? I can't remember. Yeah, it was a family member. casualty Vietnam. Yeah, and how that really affects her. One person said this, um, we stand for the flag because those who died for it can't. So I thought that was a very interesting comment. I have a lot of people saying that they're finished with the NFL, that they're done. I'm telling you, this is the NFL's version of the baseball strike that wiped out the World Series and a season in 1994-ish, okay? The game recovered, but it was never the same and never as prominent in the mix of sports. Now, NFL is number one. This is going to take them down. How far, I don't know. But it's going to take them down, and it's going to take them down for a long time. When I looked at my Facebook feed yesterday, so many people were saying they were done with the NFL. One person actually put up a profile picture and put a big no sign around the NFL logo. And they they were saying they're done, and a lot of these people were big fans. And it was dominating Facebook yesterday. Oh, it was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they understand what, what perilous ground they're treading on. I really don't think they get it yet. They will get it whether they want to or not. Trust me. But Dev, as you were coming down the hall, I was posing the question to our listeners with this Trump versus the NFL, the protests and all of this. What do you, as a football fan, want the NFL to do or not do moving forward? And we continue to get answers. Yes, we do. Let's head out to beautiful Lake County and Claremont where Doug would like to weigh in. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. How are you? Oh, fat and sassy. How are you? <laughs> Doing good. <laughs> um, my opinion, I you know, I also uh, have a daughter in high school, and I see people sitting during the anthem. My view on it is, if they want to sit or kneel, that's their privilege. It has become a race issue. Trump made it that way. The media went and ran with it. People that wrote the Constitution all had slaves. Civil rights movement, you know, was just a little over 40 years ago. And I don't think we talk about it enough. So if this sheds light to what people are feeling and the anger they still have, then let them express their feelings by kneeling. Okay, fair enough. Now, the president has said this is not about race. It's going to go into baseball. It's going to go into NASCAR. It's going to flow into other sports. So if people are going to turn off football, they're not going to watch other sports as well. Yeah, you already had a couple of NBA coaches who've weighed in on this uh, controversy as well. Yeah, thank you, Doug, very much for your perspective on it. We need to get on to other things, arguably infinitely more critically important to this country than all of this with the NFL, the president, and the protests. Yeah, this is a scary story, but White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders says North Korea's claim that President Trump is declaring war on the North is not true. She said it's absurd. North Korea's foreign minister cited Trump's words about the North, though, and said the entire world should be aware of the president's intentions. He also mentioned that North Korea has the right to defend itself, even if that means shooting down U.S. bombers that may venture into North Korean airspace. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. So how about we get away from the serious news of the day, bud, and have a little bit of fun? Oh, I think we're all in. Go ahead, Yeah, a Florida man is thanking Facebook users after they helped recover a stolen ice cream truck. 
Michael Stater's ice cream truck was stolen in the middle of the night. On Saturday morning, he posted a picture of the stolen vehicle on Facebook, prompting hundreds of shares. Thankfully, a man spotted it on the side of the road in Navarre. This is in the Panhandle near a residential trailer with all of the stickers and decals already stripped off. It was also partially spray-painted, but there was no damage to the vehicle. Police are investigating the incident. Good deal. I know. And if the the ice cream is cold, even better. Even better. (laughs) No word on if the ice cream was still there. Speaking of Facebook, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta shared an inspiring post on Facebook on Sunday, saying as a child, Montana beat cancer twice, first at age 2 and then again at age 15. Now, according to the post, Montana dreamed of one day becoming a pediatric nurse. This week, notably during Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, Montana fulfilled that dream by joining the nursing team in the Cancer and Blood Disorder Center at Children's Health Care. They shared an image of Montana as a young patient and another image of her beginning her new career. That Facebook post has more than 5,000 likes. You know, I've met several people who, you know, were treated for serious illnesses as children who went on to get into the medical field, inspired by it and kind of a sense of, I want to give back. You exactly. Know? What a what a full circle, beautiful yeah. thing. That's a great take on that. And speaking of a beautiful thing, break out the syrup and butter, people, because it's National Pancake Day. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. They're a great breakfast uh, treat, and they work for dinner, too. You ever have pancakes for dinner? No. Do oh, I need to be doing that? It makes you feel like you're doing something naughty. Oh. <laughs> it does. But if you're looking for a healthier option, it's National Johnny Appleseed Day. The day honors the man who spread apple trees across the country two centuries ago. A little trivia for you in case yeah. it should come up. His uh, name was actually John Chapman. Born on this day in Massachusetts back in 1774. A lot of people think that's just a legend, but he was the real deal, apparently. Apparently he yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Appleseed is not his real last name? I know. I'm sorry. Man, my mind just blown. <laughs> blown. Jeez. <laughs> Fix it with pancakes. <laughs> it's amazing what'll get Yaffe's attention. Exactly. <laughs> I, you just... You never know. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Exactly. <laughs> the exactly. first we hear from him is off Appleseed. <laughs> I know. He's a wackadoo. <laughs> he is, but we love him. And yes, we can't we do. do the show without him. <laughs> no, we could not. <laughs> Thank you, Deb. You're welcome, I bud. do appreciate it. We have a number of co-workers in the building here with family in Puerto Rico, and it's been an agonizing waiting game as communications have just been wiped out by Hurricane Maria, and people have had no idea whether their loved ones are okay, whether they are injured, whether they are homeless, whether or not they even survived. But gradually, gradually enough communication is being restored, and people are finding creative ways to reach out to their loved ones in Puerto Rico, and they're getting news, and sometimes they're getting the very best news. And so it is with um, Myrna Chamorro, who is alongside me here on the 50,000-watt front porch, does the news in Spanish for the Florida News Network, uh, working out of our newsroom right down the hall. And uh, nice to have you with us on the show this morning, and great to see that big, broad, beautiful smile of yours. Thank you so much. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So what's your story here? It was a long time before you had any connection to uh, you and your husband's family in Puerto Rico, right? Correct. Yes. My husband's family there are all there, my in-laws, my aunts and cousins. And um, since, you know, since Tuesday when the hurricane hit or Monday, everything, we just were waiting, waiting. My husband kept trying the different lines, um, but no communication. But we did know that my brother-in-law had um, ham radio. He's a ham radio aficionado. You know, aficionado. And so he 
he told us about it, but we are not. So we were like, how do we go and, you know, communicate? Yeah. So we put posts on Facebook. So finally, he did communicate with a ham radio person operator in New York. That person communicated with his sister in Miami, which, you know, he gave him his telephone number. And she then called us to let us know that the family was all okay. That's the only information we have, that they are okay. But that was enough, wasn't it? But that it? was very calming. Yes, we were praising God. It was really um, very good news for us. Amazing story about how that information came your way. What is it like to not know for a week what's happened to your family? Oh, yeah. It's very, you know, lots of anxiety, very sad. We're, we're very, you know not knowing and seeing all that the news are, are, you know, informing. So we're, you know, we're just trying to check, staying connected with the different types of radio stations that could be up in, in the island and, and see, you know, even a little hope of, you know, is, is, has a dam broken? Is the river out in that area? Just to know, you know, if they would be safe. But um, yes, you know, and a lot of our family members, I know about my aunts uh, in Vieques and different areas of Puerto Rico, and they're, they're fine. But again, we've never spoken with them as of yet. Such a devastating storm. Some are saying now, the governor's saying it could take decades to fully recover. What do you see for your homeland of Puerto Rico moving forward, Myrna? Well, I know they are, we are all very strong, and I know they will be, be back on their feet. It will take a long time. Um, you know, some people might come to the States, and, you know, others might stay because their roots are very, very strong there. Like my in-laws, my husband said his first thought is, I'm going to get them on a plane, they're going to come here. But I know that my father-in-law would not do that and leave his his things, his home there. Do you think a lot of people will leave Puerto Rico? I've said on the air, I believe, because there are so many folks from Puerto Rico who now make Central Florida home, they've got family here, that we may get a tremendous influx from the island of people who say, I just can't handle the inevitability of major hurricanes hitting in Puerto Rico. I'm coming here to Central Florida. Yes, there's a hurricane threat, but not like there would be down on correct, the island. Correct. Th- yeah, that, that could happen. You know, we're going to see a little bit of everything. Some people will not want to move no matter how bad it is. Um, some will immediately leave everything and come here. Um, but we hope that, you know, the island can get back, you know, on how it used to be or even better. And um, those that come here that, you know, we, op- we receive them with open arms. Wonderful to hear your story that you've reconnected with your family and they Thank all made you. it in Puerto Rico. Thank you so much. Uh, Myrna Chamorro, who does the news in Spanish for the Florida News Network, working out of the WFLA newsroom. God bless you, darling. Thank you. And Have a good And regards to your husband, whom I've never personally Aww. met, but I feel in a way I know him through you oh, this morning. You. I will let him know. Thank Thanks. you. Just one of the nicest people you will ever meet in the business. And what a great story that is. Would that we would have so many more of those good, happy endings. Does my heart good. How about you? The agony of Puerto Rico. Right now there are grumblings that President Trump is not out in front on this thing to the extent that he was with Harvey in Texas and Louisiana and Irma here in Florida. Uh, I don't know that that's true or not, but I know he needs to be. Um, or or this, this could be of enormous consequence, either positively or negatively, for the president on this. He was tweeting about some of it last night. We'll be talking more about this later on this week. One more hour to go. Stay with me here. Deborah Roberts topping our news at 8 o'clock with word on the White House dismissing a North Korean war claim and Tim Tebow spurring um, a jump in minor league attendance. No surprise there. 
We're glad you are uh, here, present and accounted for as we take attendance on the 50,000-watt front porch. Nice to have you with us. One hour to go. Lots to talk about and a chance for you to win a fabulous prize playing our sound judgment game in the 8 o'clock hour. First time we've offered a Christmas prize, Trans-Siberian Orchestra tickets. First time we made them available coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. Good morning to you. Tuesday morning at 7.59 now. Good morning, Orlando. Great to have you with us here for hour number three of our show on a Tuesday morning. And uh, here at 8 o'clock, we're going to update uh, right off the top. Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning the White House dismisses a North Korean war claim, and Tim Tebow spurs a jump in minor league attendance. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. You heard about that mass shooting at a church in Tennessee? Why is the mainstream media so woefully underplaying this story? I'll tell you why next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Tuesday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 1025. President Trump is being accused of declaring war on North Korea. Speaking in New York Monday, North Korean Foreign Minister Ri Yong Ho pointed to Trump's harsh rhetoric toward the North. Trump tweeted on Sunday about the North's rapidly escalating nuclear program and warned that they may not be around much longer. Speaking through a translator, Ri said the whole world should be clear about Trump's intentions. He insisted that the North has a right to defend itself, including shooting down U.S. bombers that may venture into North Korean airspace. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Puerto Rico's governor is asking for more federal aid to prevent a humanitarian crisis after Hurricane Maria devastated the island. Also on Monday, the U.S. territory asked a judge for as much as four extra weeks to meet deadlines in its bankruptcy case. Earlier this year, Puerto Rico filed the biggest government bankruptcy in U.S. history. The territory that's home to fewer than 3.5 million people is $72 billion in debt. In the meantime, U.S. Senator Marco Rubio says this is a crisis. The Florida Republicans spoke yesterday after visiting Puerto Rico and surveying the damage caused by Hurricane Maria. Rubio told a bilingual news conference in San Juan that the U.S. territory should receive the same federal assistance as Texas and Florida received after Hurricanes Harvey and Irma. He said the goal should be to rebuild Puerto Rico, quote, stronger than ever, end quote. In the wake of three hurricanes, Florida Democrat Bill Nelson and 37 other U.S. senators are calling on the Trump administration to extend a deadline for DREAMers to renew their DACA status. The administration announced earlier this month that it was ending DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, but allowing some DREAMers currently enrolled to apply for a renewal. But those renewal applications and a $495 fee are due by October 5th. The lawmakers fear the recent disruptions caused by Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria could make it nearly impossible for eligible DREAMers in Texas, here in Florida, and Puerto Rico meet that deadline. In other news, nine members of the University of Florida football team are accused of being involved in a credit card fraud ring. According to Alachua County court records, they're facing third-degree felony charges in connection with the purchase of items, including electronic devices. They're identified as Gators receivers Antonio Callaway and Rick Wells, running back Jordan Scarlett, offensive lineman Kadeem Telford, linebackers James Houston and Ventrell Miller, and defensive lineman Jordan Smith. 
Kivanis Davis, and Richard Desir Jones. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's just devastating news uh, as uh, the police report comes out. We get more specifics on what led to the suspension of these players, and some of them very, very key yeah. to Florida, you know, which has won a couple of games by the skin of its teeth this year. And, you know, I don't understand why we continue to have this problem. And it's not just the Gators in college football. I mean, don't you lay down the law to these kids when you bring them on with scholarship and saying, you know, you better yeah. keep your doggone nose clean or it's going to be over. It's going to be over. You know, you're going to ruin your life and you're going to ruin the fortunes of the team. And I don't understand why it keeps on happening. I don't either. I don't either, especially when some of these guys, like you said, they're big names already in the college scene. and yeah. Great futures, potentially. Yes. Yeah. I mean, potentially in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll continue to follow it. I mean, we got a, obviously an interest, of, particularly in the Gators. We carry all the games right here with the flagship WFLA of the Gator Network. So let's talk some good Gator news. I'm in. It turns out 2017 was a good year for minor league baseball, uh, thanks in part to the Tim Tebow effect, bud. The former Florida Gator quarterback is helping minor league baseball. He joined the St. Lucie Mets this season as he tries to work his way into the big leagues. The Heisman Trophy winner, get this, contributed to a 12% increase in attendance for the league this season, Jeff Lance with Minor League Baseball based in St. Petersburg says the Tebow effect increased average attendance in the league from about 1,300 uh, people a game to over 1,500. He brought people out to the ballpark that you know, maybe weren't a baseball fan. Maybe they're a big Florida football fan or something, but they wanted to come and see Tim Tebow play baseball, and, and that's great for our teams to be able to expose their product and, and their ballparks to these fans and hopefully get them to come back again later. St. Lucie set a record this year, and so did Clearwater, with over 200,000 in the stands. Lance says that Tebow also helped fill seats in the South Atlantic League during his stint with the Mets farm team in Columbia, South Carolina. People just really, he's a great guy to, to get behind. He is, he is, and yet, you know, I think one of the reasons why they didn't keep in the NFL was there, there was this controversy, you know, I mean, he would take a knee over this Christian faith, and he would pray and all of this, and taking a knee in that regard somehow was not, necessarily universally admired and respected for the reasons he did it, and that always bothered me. Yeah, same here. But you know what? I think the tide is turning. Hopefully uh, MLB is keeping an eye on Tebow and the Tebow effect. Yeah, if he can figure out how to hit the curveball, he'll be up there. You ah, know? There's <laughs> always hope. It would be great to see him in the bigs. Yeah, it would. WFLA Newstime, it's 8.08, and you can read about a restaurant owner who will not show any NFL games until those anthem protests stop at 1025WFLA.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Good morning, Orlando, from the Front Gate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. Yeah, we were all over the NFL protest. Trump versus the National Football League in our 7 o'clock hour. Something different coming up here in a moment. I want to put the spotlight on this underreported mass shooting at a church in the Nashville, Tennessee area and explain why this didn't get much traction in the mainstream media. And I'll see what you think here in a moment. So be ready to listen and call, if you will, 407-916-5400, text line 236-80. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. As a matter of fact, I don't think there is. I think it's the way it's typed, okay? It's one triple eight roof blue. Blue is just B-L-U, okay? There you go. Now, this story was covered, but media bias takes all forms. It's not only what the mainstream media, liberal, in overwhelming numbers, the people who put newscasts together, broadcast, radio, TV, not here, but by and large across the country and in print as well. 
media bias takes many forms. It's it's not just what they choose to cover or what they choose not to cover. It's, of course, how they slant the coverage, but also how they prioritize the coverage. Do they bury a big story because it doesn't fit their politics, their narrative, and what they're all about? Yes, they do. And here is an example of a story that did happen and was covered, but it was absolutely minimized in the mainstream media. It happened up in the Nashville, Tennessee area over the weekend on Sunday. There was a mass shooting at a church in Antioch, just southeast of Nashville. Um, One person murdered. A bunch of other people, including the pastor, were wounded, some very seriously. And there was a hero in the middle of this story. A 22-year-old member of the congregation at the Burnett Chapel Church of Christ in Antioch, Tennessee, Robert Engel. He got into a fight with a gunman. He got pistol whipped. He ran out to his car. He got the the gun that he had and his license to have in his car. And he came back and he subdued the attacker. And police credit him with saving untold lives in the church mass shooting. I mean, the guy's a terrific young man, a model citizen in every way. Everybody who knows him says. And the police say this guy saved a ton of lives. Now, why are we not hearing all kinds of coverage about this? Well, I'll explain here in just a moment why there is relatively little coverage by the mainstream media. The first of many things you need to know, I'm going to take a short break here. You have to understand that the gunman is black. The hero is white. The victims are white. I hate to play the race card, but it gets played every day in story after story by the media. Had the gunman been white and the victims black, wall to wall, top of the newscast, front page coverage. No question about it. That's the mainstream media's bias. But there's more bias at work here. Stay with me. It's coming up. If you want to weigh in on this, 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Do you think I'm on to something here? That it's not just what they cover and don't cover. It's the priority they give to stories that fit their narrative and those that don't. I believe media bias clearly on a number of fronts, was behind the underreporting by the mainstream media of this mass church shooting outside Nashville, Tennessee on Sunday, okay? There's a racial component to it, as there is with so many things in this country in this day and age. Turns out the gunman was black, the victims were white, the hero was white. Um, switch all of that around, make the gunman white, the victims black, wall-to-wall coverage. Otherwise, secondary story for the media. The gunman's an immigrant. Yes, he's a legal U.S. resident, but he's from the Sudan in Africa, one of those Muslim countries with unvettable populations and a radical Islamic terrorist component to it. Not saying that's what's at work here. Um, This country was in Trump's first travel ban. De-emphasize this story. Why? Well, if you're in the mainstream media, remember the narrative. Trump bad. People from those countries good. The hero saved countless lives because he had a gun in his car, suppressed the story. Why? In the media's eyes, gun rights, bad. Gun control, good. 
the hero was a devout Christian for the mainstream media committed to avoid casting Christians in a positive light if it is at all possible to do so. So they cover the story, but they minimize the coverage. That's another form of media bias with many, many aspects to it. That's how I see what happened in that church outside Nashville. Thank God more weren't killed. Here's Mike in Orlando. How do you see it, Mike? Hey, Mike. Uh, Hey, bud, this is Mike. I was uh, agreeing with you. I added the Second Amendment issue because he was a licensed pistol holder, probably even trained. Yep. Uh, Once again, the Second Amendment to the rescue saved countless lives. And as you may remember, this is similar to the Gabby Gifford shooting when there were two bystanders who were also licensed Second Amendment pistol holders who grabbed the crazy guy who shot uh, shot Congresswoman Giffords in the head. Yep, you're absolutely right, Mike, to recall that. I mean, we've often said it on the show, and it's not unique to us. I think it's an NRA statement. You know, the best way to stop a bad guy with a gun is to have a good guy with a gun. And that's exactly what happened here again. Media doesn't want to hear about it. Yaffe, what's coming in on the text line on this? Uh, yeah, I, I had a question, though. Somebody on the text line is saying that it was a Muslim terrorist. Do they, do they know if he was Muslim? Well, he had attended that church. Whether he had converted to Christianity, I have no idea. It's a conservative uh, church of Christ. Right. But if he comes from the Sudan, he'd almost have to be Muslim by, you know, by upbringing. Whether Very he is now or not, I don't know. He's 25. Yeah, the texter is saying almost no coverage of the shooting because victims are white, and it was a Muslim terrorist with black Sudanese perpetrator. It's anti-Christian, anti-white. Yeah, I just don't know whether we actually have a, a Muslim terrorist motive here, but I think it's probably quite likely he was a Muslim when he was brought up, okay, whether he is now. I just don't know that. That's part yeah, of the I'm... story we have yet to determine. Right. So... We continue to follow it, and we will. But I'm telling you, you know, I mean, it's very, it's subtle how, how you know, you, you say, well, wait a minute, gee, bud, man, I didn't hear much about that story. Yeah, you didn't, and that's the point. And these are all the reasons why it became a low-priority story covered to the minimum. Undeniably true, in my opinion. Well, look who's here, the Deb Meister. <laughs> We're going to get into... Number one wedding songs here shortly? Yes, we are. Yeah, all right. Well, let's get the serious stuff out of the way first, then we'll have a little fun. You got it. Claims that President Trump has declared war on North Korea are absurd. That's the word from White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders in rejecting the claim by North Korea's foreign minister. The North Korean official insists the North has a right to defend itself, including shooting down U.S. bombers that may venture into North Korean airspace. And there are reports that it's beefing up military defenses along its eastern coast after claims it would shoot down U.S. bombers flying in the region. South Korean media report the North has moved aircraft to the area. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A walk down the matrimonial aisle requires just the right musical accompaniment. Oh, yeah. So the Washington Post took a look at a Spotify playlist of popular wedding songs across the country and found that this song, bud, Ed Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud, is today's top tune for taking vows. Have you ever heard this one? I don't know. Let me get past the intro. Is anybody going to start singing? your legs don't work like they used to before. And I can't sweep you off of your feet Will your mouth still remember the taste of my love? Will your eyes still smile from your cheeks? 
Darling, I oh, yeah. will be loving you nice. till we're 70. This really is a good wedding Baby song. It is. It'd be my choice. Could still fall so, winner, that could be you on drums, Yaffe. Okay. He's a church drummer, you know. Yeah, he is a nice, very You're good right, drummer. So it won't be me as the groom, that's for sure. Hey. Not yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> we're going to get you there. Yeah, the date with Yaffe contest, still to come. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, the sentiment of falling in love every single day yeah, seems to that. fit the feelings of more couples than any other song. That's it's a, a great lyric. It really is. It's nice a tune. beautiful song. Mm-hmm. The top three wedding songs are rounded out by, uh, so we start off with Ed Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud, then Bruno Mars' Marry You, and John Legend's All of Me, which he wrote for his wife, Chrissy Teigen. How about that? Yeah. Those are the top three today for folks who are getting married Yep, for their first dance as husband and wife. Those are the top three songs. How about that? Isn't that cool? Yeah, that is great stuff. So, I love it. Do you remember the boom box, bud? Oh, yeah, very well. Yeah, all right, I used to cool. cart one around. They were huge, Exactly. Man. Well, I can't ask the guys in the control room. They don't remember the boom box. You may have, t- I toted one around on my shoulder listening to my favorite tunes, of course. Well, the 1970s throwback is making a comeback in Japan. Really? While radio cassette players are viewed with nostalgia among some older generations, they represent something new and fresh for young people in Japan. One boom box owner says they're big, heavy, and awkward, but that's why they're unique. Really? Yeah, I know. It, it, vinyl's also you know, making a big comeback. It surprises me that Japan would be the country for this, you know, because they've always been about, you know, cutting edge electronics, you yeah. know, and, and, and miniaturization's a part of that. And, and yet they're going the other way with a boombox. And yet they're going the other way. I'll be darned. And for a funny video, Google a little girl trying to play with an old uh, like Nintendo handset from like the early 1990s. Poor little thing is so frustrated she can't figure out. No matter how many times she touches the screen, the game won't play. It's so old school. She doesn't realize you have to use the buttons. It's amazing how fast it's all changed, it isn't really it? It really is. It really wow. is. Yeah. And finally, for uh, speaking of something decidedly futuristic, Walmart wants to fill your fridge and your pantry, bud, even if you're not at home. How do they do that? The world's biggest retailer is testing a delivery program that lets customers use smart home technology to remotely open the door for delivery workers. Then... Customers can link their phones to home security cameras and watch a live stream of someone else putting away your groceries. Boy, I don't know. Walmart announced the delivery program late last week and is testing it in Silicon Valley. They better have some real airtight, hack-proof technology at work there, Deb Meister. Seriously. Holy smokes. But now we're getting to the point where we're going to have other people do our shopping, deliver it, and put it away. I'm waiting for the day when they're going to come in and do my laundry. Yeah, we need that, don't we? We, we need that. <laughs> you and do clean anyway. My house. <laughs> I get Linda to do my laundry. <laughs> oh, until she heard that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why my honeydew list is so long. If I want the laundry done, hey, all right, it's a trade-off. Listen, buddy you, boy, get that stuff done. <laughs> you just go home and sing Ed Sheeran's "Thinking of You." You play that when you walk yeah. through the door and take her for a little spin, a little dance yeah. in the living room. You'll be fine. I like that. Okay. Yeah, trust me on You're that. You're pretty one. good. You're pretty good. Next thing you need to do is get Yaffe married off. You need I, to really work on that. We I'm do. doing fine. You need to work on that. <laughs> hey, any girl who tries to go out with Mike Yaffe is going to have to get through me first. Okay. They'll so, all be fully vetted. No kidding. T- is this helping me? Or <laughs> Well, yeah, hopefully it will.
It's like a <laughs> extreme vetting here. Extreme exactly. vetting. Exactly. Gotta Only have Only the best it. for you. Only Gotta the best. Have it. It's yeah. a compliment, yeah. No crazies need apply. <laughs> okay. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Yeah, Meister, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, bud, man. All right, coming up here, your first chance to win a great Christmas-themed prize. Trans-Siberian Orchestra tickets here for Orlando's big concert just ahead of Christmas. It's the first time we're giving them away. Huge prize. People love this every year. This is the very first day. And here we are just one day shy of three months ahead of Christmas. But it's always nice to plan early. And the lines are filling up. 407-916-5400. You're eligible to play sound judgment if you haven't won the game in 30 days. Are you ready? Trans-Siberian Orchestra Christmas concert tickets. You're going on us. 407-916-5400 if you're our sound judgment winner. And we'll get to that in a moment. We'll update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as well in only two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Yesterday, Deb was complaining that it's too early for Halloween decorations. Good thing she's not here right now because all of a sudden we've got a Christmas prize up for grabs on sound judgment. If she were here, she'd have to take a knee for the segment, I think, Yaffe, <laughs> in protest. I don't know. I'm not ready for Christmas. No, well, I'm not ready. Well, it's listen. never too soon to get your holiday preparations in order. Thank you very much, Michael, in striking that theme. Why don't you tell us about the prize? For today's Sound Judgment winner. Will do. Our winner today will get a pair of tickets to see Trans-Siberian Orchestra's The Ghost of Christmas Eve at the Amway Center on December 16th. Tickets for the Trans-Siberian Orchestra's Winter Tour 2017 are now on sale. Visit 540WFLA.com keyword tickets for more info. But you got a couple of free tickets on us if you are our Sound Judgment winner today. Oh, yeah. Phones are jammed. Somebody gets a wrong answer, opportunity knocks for you to win by calling in quickly at 407-916-5400. Are you ready? So here we are. It's September 26th, and on this date in 1964, one of my all-time favorite songs, Roy Orbison's Oh Pretty Woman, became the number one hit song in America. Now, years later in 1990, the movie Pretty Woman became a huge hit with a song heard in the film. For today's sound judgment game, listen to some sound of the hit song, then use your sound judgment to name the two big stars who played the leading roles in the movie Pretty Woman. Man, it doesn't get any better than that song, Pretty Woman. But it's the, the only reason you made this the question, oh, isn't it? Oh, yes. Just so you could hear that song. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, you got me. Busted. No question about it, Yaffe. The question is, when they made the movie Pretty Woman, who had the leading roles? Two superstars at the time, man and a woman. Name them, and you're going to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra Christmas concert here in Orlando. Line one, name those stars. Number oh, it's Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. Yeah. Yeah. Ha <laughs> ha. You, you win, and Merry Christmas to you. First time I call, and I said, I'm, I'm in a low mood here, and I said, maybe I'll win something, and look at that. You said you were not in a good mood when you called? I, no, I've, I've been going through some, you know, rough times. I don't have close family in Puerto Rico, but a lot of things that are happening 
nowadays are bothering me so. Well, I'm glad we're able to lift you up here a little bit. Yes, yes, thank you. Oh, that's a wonderful thing. A little divine providence going on there, and I think that's always a wonderful thing. Congratulations to you. You're going to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra Christmas concert here in December. I call, bud. You're awesome. I love this. This is so cool. Give me your first name, please. Huh? What's your first name? Oh, Sonia, S-O-N-I-A. Rivera, R I V E R A. Sonia, and where are you calling in from? What town? I I live uh, near the airport. I'm on Semarang. How about you? Don't go away. Orlando. You and Michael are going to talk about this all fair. I'm going to put you on hold. Don't hang up, all okay, right? Okay, thanks so much. I'll send you a note, and we're going to get you those tickets. Congratulations, Sonia. How about that? She needed a lift. She got it. First time she ever called to play sound judgment it doesn't get much better than that does it so would that make a good wedding song pretty woman <laughs> pretty woman yeah in its own <laughs> way sure at the reception it might work i'm not sure how that no. plays in the church it, w- it wouldn't work her walking down the Slow aisle walking down the aisle I... <laughs> kind of strange <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i'm grinning from ear to ear Spent a lot of time earlier in the show on the Alabama special Senate election today and the latest attempt by the Republican Party to uh, pass a health care reform bill. For those of you just joining us right now, kind of a quick summary update on that as we're connecting with our News Radio 1025 National Correspondent Joe Gomez, watching both stories from Washington. Joe, thanks as always. Let's talk about the health care reform effort by the GOP. Looks dead to me. What do you know? Yeah, Susan Collins is coming out as a no vote against the Graham-Cassidy bill, so that means that there's three Republican senators that are now going to vote against it, and that the bill is uh, basically dead dead on arrival if it comes up for a vote. And we'll find out if Republicans are going to bring it up for a vote uh, when Republican leadership in the Senate meets today. And tomorrow would be the day to bring it up, and they've got a deadline of the 30th of September, or the reconciliation 51-vote threshold goes to 60, and they'll never get it done. I mean, is that what they're talking about? It's either going to be voted on tomorrow, or it's not going to be voted on at all? Exactly, yeah. So either uh, they bring it up for a vote, and Mm -hmm. it looks likely to fail, um, or maybe they just want to have people on the record as voting against it, or they don't bring it up at all, or maybe they could try to Right. Trying to finagle some sort of a fix uh, to it. But uh, again, I mean, time is not on Republican side because <laughs> of the reasons you just outlined. They only have really four days to get yep. this done. I understand very quickly in the Alabama election for the Senate seat, Jeff Sessions seat here. The Republicans are going to wind up winning this thing. But this is a runoff among this Luther Strange who was endorsed kind of lamely by the president and Roy Moore, the old conservative Supreme Court justice down there. I see the polls, um, all of them, with Roy Moore way ahead. Yeah, it's hard to imagine how Luther Strange is going to pull off a victory here. Uh, average of polling by Real Clear Politics has more up by about 10 points in today's election day in Alabama. So yep. it looks like Mitch McConnell uh, could be delivered a pretty major blow um, if uh, Roy Moore is elected to uh, take over Jeff Sessions' old Senate seat because McConnell and his super PAC have poured in quite a bit of money into this particular race. Yeah, and as I said, I think the president's backing the wrong guy. Roy Moore sees the world a lot more like Donald Trump does than Luther Strange. That's it, Joe. You're out of time. So am I. But thanks for coming by and updating us on two important stories we'll follow today. Thank you, Joe. Okay, thanks, bud. You bet. News Radio 1025 National Correspondent Joe Gomez. Now, if you want to get up to date on the show and somehow circumstances in your private life overtook you this morning, and you did not catch every minute of our three hours. Yaffe, there's still hope. 
Yeah, I mean, it is a little inexcusable not to catch all three hours every morning, five days a week. It happens. But it happens. You're right. What These they can are do, good people. We're going to cut them some slack. <laughs> what they can do is go to our website, 1025wfla.com, <laughs> click on the Good Morning Orlando tab, and Bud's daily recap is up there every morning, and the podcast is on there as well. The entire three hours or any part thereof available to you. <laughs> exactly right. I'll tell you what. There you go. That'll do it for this edition of the show, and we're already working on tomorrow morning's um, version of the 50,000-watt front porch, and you are always invited. Your seat is reserved free of charge here on WFLA from 6 to 9 every weekday morning here on Good Morning Orlando. Now have a wonderful day, and it looks like a beautiful one taking shape. For Deborah Roberts, for Mike Yaffe, For Michael, the incredible call screener, whose name is so long I can't pronounce it. He's just Michael the screener. The Bud Man, thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.